on November 13th, Ron and Anian was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from his wife. Feeling stressed? Aggravated? A lot going on? Put down the cell phone, turn off the computer, gather up your family, and go get in the car. Go somewhere. Go take a ride. The car doctor. Go see the sights. Do nothing. Take an hour's ride to nowhere. Go somewhere for lunch. Make it a destination lunch or breakfast. We still got half a weekend left, right? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Come on in, sit down. Ronnie Indian Car Doctor. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Thanks for taking the time to join me today as we sit down and talk automotive the next two hours. That's right. There's two hours of Car Doctor and coming down the road at you. More information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com is there. And you can also stream this radio show. You know, if you're ever used to tuning into the radio station and uh, that you're listening to and the radio show is interrupted by a football game or a baseball game or something, it's preempted, you can get out to cardoctorshow.com. We don't talk about this enough. And I, I mentioned the website, but I don't mention the fact that you can stream the radio show right from the website. So you can go to cardoctorshow.com. I believe it's down on the left-hand side of the page, and there's a link there that takes you right to the server that's actually underneath my left foot. And aside from listening to my left foot, you'll be listening to the radio show and uh, be able to stream it live from wherever you are. And keep in mind there's podcasts there as well as at TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes, and uh, Google Play. So you can uh, take the Car Doctor with you by podcast, any device, any which way you want. I wonder about Ford and some of their engineers and some of the problems and things that they create. And you just, a couple of three months ago, we were talking about taking your best guess. Does anybody remember this car, the 2010 Ford, the F-150? And it was like, take your best guess. We're taking the car out on the road. We're going towing. Well, it was somewhere around vacation time back in August. And the customer had a 2010 Ford F-150 pick-em-up truck that was a crank, no-start condition that would never act up when it was at the shop. And it was really difficult to duplicate. It was impossible to duplicate, as a matter of fact. And after two weeks of trying and looking at some of the obvious and not-so-obvious and the ridiculous and just about everything I could think of, it was time to make a call because they were taking the truck and they were going to tow with it. So I did some research, and I went and I found that the highest component of failure is the fuel pump module, or one of the highest components of failure was the fuel pump module, which is the driver module located above the rear frame rail cross member just behind the differential up in the back of the truck. And uh, lots of issues, known pattern failure, common, cheap enough part. I think it was 100 bucks, something like that. Uh, the boys at Ford say they're changing them all the time. You know, I gave her the options. What do you want to do? Put a fuel pump module in it. Put a fuel pump module in it and sent the truck on its way. Hey, that was, let's see, that was August 31st. Here we are, two months later. Monday morning, ring. Hey, Ron, it's Gene. Yeah, Gene. Uh-oh. Yeah, the truck's back to doing a no-start. Huh. Well, let's tow it in. Let's, hopefully it stays like that long enough. And naturally, of course, it could be anything. There's anything that could be wrong with this vehicle because... You know, just because it goes into a crank no start doesn't necessarily mean that it's not 
or it's related to the same fuel pump driver module or the same problem. It could be anything. Truck came in, and fortunately, it behaved itself. Well, sort of. For a day, and you have to understand the plight of the mechanic. You're, you know, my 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 weeks right now were 10, 12, 14 days backed up in the shop, and here comes one more vehicle that is a problem child and unfortunately needs a lot of attention. It's kind of a whiny little kid in the corner, and it's, it requires a huge amount of attention in that you've got to stop what you're doing and get on that and just shift your focus and your energies over to a different vehicle. So, uh, you know, went into a crank, no start. Yep, no fuel pressure. Okay, no fuel pressure. It's got spark. But it had a strange injector pulse. I looked at the injector pulse, and it was half amplitude. It wasn't great on a scope, and it really wasn't a great smooth signal. It was funny. It was like it was distorted, like it wasn't receiving proper voltage. And then all of a sudden, the truck started. It was fine. It did everything it was supposed to do for a day, and I sat there, yeah, rat. And I called it a couple of bad words. And, um, yeah, I did. I said uh, I said Hillary, and then I said Trump, and I called it a bunch of bad words. Um, uh, you know, and kind of left it like that, called it Rosie. And, um, by the way, did you hear Rosie O'Donnell is going to leave the country because Trump got elected? Isn't that what she said before the election? She Certainly. Said Certainly. So I wonder if she's really leaving. That might be interesting. But um, in any event, I got it into a start condition. And I had to wait. I waited a day. And it went back into a no start on Thursday. That's it. I'm dropping what I'm doing. And in some of the diagnosis, and this time I was able to get fault codes out of it, and they were communication, they were comm codes for a couple of different modules on the vehicle. And basically the diagnosis centered on and focused on no fuel pump. And Along the way, the diagnosis led me to the battery junction box, which is located under the hood on top of the radiator. Now, inside that battery junction box, there is obviously a bunch of fuses, but there is a, you know, Ford and the BJBs. That's what they call a battery junction box, the BJs, BJBs. And it's a very small, used to be what we used to know as an ATC 20 amp fuse. Now they have a micro uh, ATC 20 amp fuse, which is much, much smaller, half the size. And what happened was they tell you go to fuse 27. I go to fuse 27. I want to check to see if it's blown. I want to pull it out and look at it. I wiggle it with my pocket screwdriver. Can't get it to come out and go get a pair of small pliers, and I'm going to pull it out. And badly, you know, let me just turn the key. Just something caught my eye. And the time that I left to walk away and came back, just something caught my eye. Mechanics intuition, I'm not sure. Turned the key, it started right up. Wow, look at that. Well, the last thing I touched was Fuse 27. Fuse 27 feeds the fuel pump relay and a couple other circuits. And I went back to that fuse, and I pulled it out. Sure enough, there was a burn mark on the fuse. Made a little contact indentation in the fuse itself. And then it carboned it up. It blackened it up and it created a resistance issue that it wouldn't pass voltage. It actually was the cause of the no-start. This little $2 fuse created this no-start condition. And I was actually able to duplicate it. I had I had Danny. I think it was Danny or Carpenter Bob was hanging out at the shop that day. I had one of them crank it. And I would apply pressure to the top of the fuse or pry up underneath the bottom of the fuse. Change the position so I would catch it right in the crux of that dimple of the of the fuse holder itself 
and I could make it go into a start, no start condition at will. Did a little digging. Found a couple of bulletins. Ford actually has a bulletin that talks about, well, if your vehicle does this, 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 and they're very specific, and it's a very kind of buried bulletin. They don't give it a lot of promotion. They actually have a repair kit where you are going to dissect the fuse box, the BJB under the hood. You're going to dissect it and splice out the old fuse and put in a new large style, larger capacity, same amperage, but a larger pin capacity. The, the, the contact blade is probably an eighth inch wide, if not three sixteenths. And it gives it a, a better chance that it doesn't burn up like it did that original fuse. And I said, how stupid is this? You know, and the reason I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this in such detail is I want you to think about this. I want you to be aware of it. If you're driving a 2010 F-150 or anything of that generation Ford pickup, I think you're going to be affected by this. And I think you're going to find that installing this remote start or this remote fuse kit and bypassing and having it done preemptively to the fuse box, somewhere down the line is going to save you aggravation. I'm going to start pulling fuse 27 out of the next couple of pickup trucks I have coming in to see what it looks like because I've got a feeling this is going to be the next bad choke pull-off on a GM carburetor like 1978 was or the next bad GM transmission like the 90s were or the next bad Taurus transmission like the like the early 90s were. And, you know, This is the next problem that the car companies are going to come up with in the way of electronics. When I return, I'm going to find that bulletin. I'll see if I can find a copy of it. I want to give you that bulletin number because I think it's really important. But I am here for the rest of this hour and next at 855-560-9900 to take your calls and answer your questions. And uh, I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the Eating the Car Doctor. Before we kick the garage doors open, I went and I found a copy of that bulletin. Um, I wanted to check model years. I was thinking about it. TSB 15-0137. TSB 15-0137. Battery junction box fuse 27. Crank no start. Loss of RPM and or malfunction indicator lamp with multiple trouble codes. And it's model years 2009 through 2014. So that's five model years of F-150, which is America, only America's most popular vehicle. Did you know that F-150s are considered the, some of the Ford trucks are the most popular out there? So if I owned one of those vehicles, I'm going to start pulling fuse number 27. Right, yet, Tom? You, you're talking about a Ford, right? Right. And what does Ford stand for? Isn't well, it hacking them? Fixed to repair daily. Okay. Found on road dead. Yes. Yeah, right. No yeah. problem. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I, I told you I was never going to do those acronyms again because it always gets me in trouble. Don't ask me what VW stands for. Come on, go for it, man. No, no, don't ask me. Come on. Well, wait, well, if, we get a, if we get a VW caller today, mm-hmm. all right, I will tell you what VW stands for. Okay, deal. All right? So if anybody calls and they want to know what their car name means, I will give it to them. But I don't do it willingly because I get a lot of hate mail when I start to do that, and it gets me in a lot of trouble with everybody. Be nice, or I'm not going to talk about the Giants today. You just, you just did. Now, now, what did they do last week? They won because of you. Yeah, I know right. that. 
Um, they won big because of me. Yes. Now, who are they playing this they week? They play the Bengals this Monday, Monday they're, Night they're Football. They're going to get destroyed. They are? They're going to get left at the 50-yard line. They're going to get buried. Okay. At the way we're going, listen, when we get to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. I want box seats. Deal. So, okay. When you guys talk to Eli, I want that I want that seating, because so, I know I'm the good luck charm here. Let's get over and let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go over to Ron Grafton, Ohio. And I'm um, sorry, Ron, we appreciate your patience. How can I help you, sir? Ron, no are you there? Ron. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, <laughs> I got a VW. No, I'm no. just kidding. No, no. Uh, no, no. The uh, it's funny you, you <laughs> it's funny you mentioned these uh, long term projects with these little bugs that just drive you nuts because I had a uh, O3 Tundra that every time I hit the brake lights, the one of the fuses would blow out, and I spent some time looking for the brake myself, which was a waste of time and. Finally, the dealer said, well, we can do one of two things. We can troubleshoot it, which might, at $60 an hour, cost you a arm and a leg. Or we can replace the whole harness, which is the harness was 600 bucks with labor, another 500 cost me $1,100 to get it repaired. Cheaper in the long but run. These little things, oh, I was, I was hurting. But anyway. And listen, and that's the, and, and my for, the, original, for, for the point of it, that's, that's cheap when you look at a wiring harness. Um, you know, we were, I was talking about yeah, it last well, week. Uh, we had a we had a guy with an 06 Dodge Challenger that had a communication fault and a uh, 700 trans fault code. It's a known problem. It's the engine wiring harness. The harness is no longer available oh, from Chrysler. All right. And it's 12 hours to get it out, 12 hours to put it in, and you have to repair the harness. Oh, my Lord. And, you know, you've got to think about oh. that. that. That wiring harness has been in there 10, 11 years, baked under the hood on a 175,000-mile yep. car. That harness is not easy to get out, and it's gonna, you're just going to hand-make a harness from scratch. It's ridiculous. Anyway, carry on, sir. How can I help? Right. Well, that's all right. There were only two of these in the country, so I, was, I guess in that respect I was lucky. But right. my original question revolves around I did get a new pickup truck, I, new to me. I've got a 2010 Tundra Platinum. And I'm real happy with it. I didn't expect to get a platinum, but uh, it just happened upon uh, the scene. I was hoping for something like a limited, but this thing has just got all the bells. Yeah, all the toys. Yep. Anyway, um, we're we're snowbirds, and uh, basically once a year we go down to Florida and come back, and all I use it for really is towing a a 6,600-pound trailer. My question is um, if – all the books and the manuals recommend you using the, the the tow function on the vehicle, and I'm just wondering is that is that really something I want to do if I'm riding on relatively flat roads? I mean, I know it's going to either kick in something, a lower gear on the tranny or the uh, rear end or something because everything is electronic now, and I know it's going to change my gas mileage. You tell me what you think. I think it. I, I think by it de- not using I, it or using it. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on your personal experience. I always say that with a tow. Um, the, the one thing I know that I never really worry about how I'm going to tow with is if the vehicle I'm towing with has something in it called a diesel, because I know I can pull down the house with that. Uh, you know, so now you've got something that obviously isn't a diesel; it's a gas-powered version. And what they're trying to do with these tow features on a lot of these vehicles is smooth out the ride and make the engine work as economically as possible, because you're right, for for the sake of fuel economy and for just general less wear and tear. If you're pulling hard on the, on the, on the throughway and you're doing 75, 80 miles an hour, yeah, tow mode's probably where you want to be. 
if you take it out of tow mode, uh, you know, you really got to see what sort of reaction does that give you? How much higher or different does that make engine RPM one versus the other? And then how does the vehicle ride? You know, it's it's I think it's a, I think it's a matter of preference. I was never a fan of tow mode because I may tow different than the other guy. Um, you know, I may not drive it. 55, 60 miles an hour. I may take my time at 45, 50. I may do 65, 70. And I think you've got to really look at your your individual situation. And as you say, how's the road and what are you really towing? You know, if, you, if you're towing right. max capacity, I think you're going to tend to take it easy on the vehicle anyway. Uh, you know, but if you're if you're towing something less than max, you know, try it both ways. How does it affect the vehicle? Uh, you know, as far as wear and tear, I'm just going to tell you to do the maintenance and do the oil change a little bit earlier and make sure everything stays fresh. Other than that, I don't think you'll have an issue. Does that make sense? All right. No, it does. That's pretty much how I felt about it. Yeah. It's just that I just needed somebody to give me a, a nudge. you know, the, the scoop on it yeah. as opposed to me just taking it on a whim. So, you know, good. I mean, I I've, 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 I've towed with the plow truck. I've got a one-ton Chevy Silverado, and they've got a tow feature on there. You know, you push the button in, and it keeps the trans out of uh, lockup on certain speeds and so forth, and I've towed with it. And I mean, the thing's got so much power and torque. I, you know, I just don't notice the difference. Uh, you know, it's right. it's 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 not really an issue. Yeah, a couple of times coming up a steep incline, I want it in tow mode because I want it to kick down faster into the next lower gear, so the trans shifts a little bit easier and it it, it works a little bit easier. But um, for the most part, I never really use it. Never really use it. I just drive the truck okay. like normal. All right, sir. Thanks a lot for your help. You're very welcome, Ron. Take good care. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, tow mode. You know, by the way, you know what Toyota stands for? Come on, let's hear it. Too often Yankees overpriced this automobile. So, <laughs> you guys didn't think I knew that one, did you? So, but, um, you know, but that's tow mode. Uh, you know, by the way, interesting phenomena. I was only talking about phenomena, and maybe this isn't the place for it. I'm not sure. So, to show you how technology is changing, we sold... 24 tires in the shop this week. Why is that so important? Because, well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you when I come back, all right? When I pull back from the break, I'll tell you what the significance is of selling 24 tires in a repair shop because that's what you're supposed to do is sell tires. But something in my material reports told me different. So uh, stick around. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. You get the answer when I return, 855-560-9900. The significance of selling 24 tires in a repair shop in one week is we only sold four valve stems. Now, you know, the valve stem, the rubber valve stem that's that's in the wheel. And the significance there is that shows the influx of tire pressure monitoring systems. That also tells you that the date of all the vehicles we worked on were 2008 or newer because TPMS systems were mandatory after 2008, and the majority of vehicles on TPMS currently use a sensor. Some of the Hondas are going back to the uh, um, isolationist systems where they're just you know counting diameter of the tire using ABS sensors, but they're going back the other way now. Now that we understood one, they're going to go back to the old system. But the majority of vehicles have those metal stems, and um, I just thought that was interesting. Four, t- four rubber valve stems 
uh, out of 24 tires. That look at the proportion of technology and how it's taking over. That just shows you how things are marching forward and older cars are just disappearing. Let's go over back to the busy phones. Let's go over to Paul in Carteret, New Jersey, 2007 Chrysler PT Cruiser. Yes, Paul, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, how are you? Good, sir. What's going on? I've, I've been listening to you for many years and um, always enjoy the program and learn a whole lot about cars because I'm not a mechanic at all. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but I appreciate that. My wife owns this PT Cruiser. It's a convertible. It's got about 80,000 miles on it. Okay. And she was telling me this morning that for the last three days, every time uh, she'll start the car and um, she'll start driving, and then she gets like a chime sound, like as if the door was ajar or that kind of sound with no right. lights no lights on the dash that the, that any doors are open or anything like that and it just keeps repeating every day for okay. the last couple of days and it's it's, um, it, it's 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 has it been um just the last 3 days nobody's worked on the car the only thing we had done and we just had it done this morning was an oil change okay just for the heck of it it was due for for an oil change she's very good at at going for that every 3 months and it happened again. <laughs> what, what what I would do, Paul, is I would get it to my mechanic and ask them to do a scan of the instrument cluster. The instrument cluster, the chime software, is located within the instrument cluster. The warning system uses um, components in the instrument cluster. That's where all its memory is. And I'm just curious, is there a problem within the instrument cluster? And I'm also curious, can a scan tool communicate with that instrument cluster correctly um okay. it, it, it almost yeah, sounds I, I can't like tell you the last time that was done say that like again the, that the car was I, I can't tell you the last time it was scanned right um you, you know, know we, because like i said it, it's a 20 2007 with eighty thousand. we use it gingerly here around town it's it's not on highways a whole lot um so well, we don't have a whole lot of we don't have a whole lot of problems with right. it we just maintain it so right is it a four-cylinder uh, by the way it's a four cylinder. Yeah. Have you done a timing belt to it? Have we have we done a timing belt? Did you ever have a? No. No. You should think about that. Not that that has anything to do with this particular problem, but the car yeah. is the car is creeping up on nine years old, and you know yep. I believe I believe Chrysler says one hundred and five thousand miles, but at mm-hmm. at the rate you're putting mileage on, that'll be another five years, and by then the belt will have dry <laughs> rotted and fallen off. So, yeah. you know, that's the little 2-4 dual overhead cam motor, and it can bend valves, so you want to make sure if you're going to keep the car, you know, you want to have a timing belt done and just, just, just something to think about because it can be a little yeah. pricey. Uh, that particular timing belt becomes a timing belt and a water pump, and depending upon which style timing cover it has, there is also, there was, and I believe still is, a timing cover replacement kit where they actually change the way the two halves of the clamshell of the timing cover come together because mm-hmm. they're worried about them uh, not uh, uh, maintaining shape. So, but just, just, just be aware, okay. not, to, not to scare you, but just to, you know, give you a little no, no. knowledge. Um, we, we've been down that road with other cars with the timing belts. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, and that's, a, and that's, that's a tough one to do. You got to give the mechanics some time. That's, that's 10 pounds on bologna in a five pound sack. Uh, the way they've got, yeah. the way they've got that wedged in there. Um, and now but, I just have to find the right mechanic. Right. <laughs> well, and I would and I would say that you know, like I said, the next step is I would scan. I would do a I would do a system scan of all the modules on the vehicle. Is anybody having a communication problem? And then also keep in mind the other thing I've seen with Chrysler's, and then I'll let you go, is the ribbon cable that comes into the back of the instrument cluster. 
I, I do see those get um, corroded, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term, or schmutz, as my mother would say. And, you know, yeah. they get a little bit of schmutz on the connection, and it's not, and it get oxidized, and it'll chime. It'll just do all kinds of strange instrument cluster things. And that can also be a fault condition here as well, because it sounds if, if like. The battery, if the battery was weakened at all, would that make anything go like if, crazy? If, like if, that? The, if the battery or the charging system had a fault, you should be getting a dash warning indicator that says charging right. or battery. Uh, you know, it should be a direct readout. But all you're getting is you're just getting a bong, bong, bong yeah. type of a sound, right? Uh, yep. And you then know, it, so... it goes like two, three, uh, three to five seconds, and then it shuts off. Right. And it could also yeah. be with with the cold weather. It's gotten colder here in the Northeast now. Uh, this could be something as simple as a door ajar switch. But you would think if this was door ajar or some other physical warning from a switch that's sticking or making poor contact, you would think that you would have a dash light on or an interior right. light on, something like that, and you don't have that. That's so. exactly what my wife t- said to me this yeah. morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I would say... When, you, when you know your car, you know your car. Right. You know every time right. you're using it, if there's something wrong with it, better than you guys would. Yeah. Because oh, you yeah. use it every day, you know. Yeah. So. so I would say, I would say, let's start with a scan. Let's see, can we communicate across the controlled area network on that vehicle and see what's going on? Okay, we'll All right, do sir. that. You, you, Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Paul. You take good care. Um Communication is is very, very important with these cars today. Uh, I've said this for years, and I, I really believe it is it's going to become more and more correct or truthful. I think that I think the oil change of the future is going to be change the oil, change the filter, plug in, scan it, do a quick system scan, file the report, and ship the car out the door and bring in the next one. I just think that's where it's going. I think that's going to be the, the telltale. There are so many things that we fix today beyond check engine lights. I would venture to guess, and I'm going to have to start to keep track, but I would venture to guess if I pull my scan tool out 10 times in a week, four times is for a check engine light, and the other six are for functions and you know problems with a shifter, problems with a door jar switch, problems with a wiper motor I had the other day on, on a Chrysler, as a matter of fact. Just all these things that are not engine-related, and we're using a scan tool to fix the car. And, uh, you know, that's where this is going, and that's why I say 24 tires, 4 valve stems. You just have to look at that technology and say how soon before that last car is gone, and then everything is such a rolling computer. We're really dependent upon that computerized vehicle, and um, that's just sort of bothersome. 855-560-9900. By the way, again, cardoctorshow.com. You can stream this radio show if your radio station... uh, uh, should happen to not carry the show or stops carrying it or, uh, you know, interrupted by a sports event or something like that, cardoctorshow.com does have streaming of this radio show available as well. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. This car is automatic, it's systematic, it's hydromatic. Why, it's a greased lightning. Greased lightning. 
Welcome back. Ron and Indian, the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Let's get over and talk to Ann in Hartford, Vermont. Is that Hartford, Vermont or Hartford, Connecticut? Vermont, Hartford, Vermont. Vermont. Hartford, Vermont. And some questions. Oh, you had to find a Volkswagen. All right. <laughs> hey, it's my second TDI. Mm, okay. Well, you ask me your question, then if you want, I'll tell you what VW stands for, but only if you ask me. Uh, Okay. Well, I, as you know, they are buying them back, and sadly, we are going to let ours go. And I'm trying to figure out what to replace it with. Would you buy another Volkswagen? No. Why not? Uh, I guess I'm just sort of soured on them after what happened with the whole fuel thing and emissions thing. It's it's, ama- it's, it's And it's amazing, isn't it, that in my eyes, they're really not making much of an effort to make everybody happy. You know, I think that I think they need to do more because what you're describing is exactly how everybody feels. They're yeah. they they feel betrayed. And, well, I went to the dealer and um, and to see how much they'd give me, and they had a bunch of them that were unsold on the lot, and right. they were trying to talk me into putting a deposit on one until the fix came through, and then buying it. But I don't know. I just. I just had it. <laughs> well, you know, so listen, I'm ready for something else. I, I I think we've all had it, right, Ann? I mean, look at the last presidential yep. election we just had. I think we all kind of we've all had yep. it. We're all just at that point in time that you know, what do you do? What do you buy? Yeah. So, what exactly are you looking for in a car? Well, either a, maybe either a mid-size sedan or a small SUV. I drove a Buick Envision, and I've driven the GMC Terrain so far. Okay. Have you driven anything from Ford? No, but my daughter had a Escape as a company car, and she really liked it, and I've ridden in it quite a bit, and I like that. And I have a couple of friends that have them that have positive things to say. So is is Escape the size vehicle you're looking for? Mm, probably. Okay. So I would go I would go ride in a Ford Escape okay. and, and see how that feels for you. Um, one thing to take note of, I think the 2017 Escapes are going to have start-stop technology. Mm-hmm. which a lot of the 2017s have across the board from all the manufacturers, and that just takes a little bit of getting used to. That's a little weird. You pull up to mm-hmm. a stop sign and the car shuts off, so you got to make sure you like that. Um, yep. You know, If I had my preference, I would try and avoid it. I'm not a fan of start-stop technology because I know somewhere down the road it's going to get to be expensive to repair. So, mm-hmm. But um, you know, I like that. And uh, you know, I would take a look at some of the stuff Toyota has. Go drive a new Highlander and, and see how that fits you. And yeah, I looked at, we looked at one of those years ago. We ended up buying a GMC Envoy instead. Right. right. Well, and they're, 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 everything's totally different today. Uh, yeah. You know, everything is so computerized today. And, and then, you know, the other thing you always have to think about, who's going to fix it? And you know, My husband. <laughs> nah, what, is he a mechanic? Not really, but, well, he, he's a, well, let's say a home mechanic. It's mm-hmm. not his business. Trust but. me, he's not going to fix it. No. I, no, no knock on your husband unless he's going to start <laughs> unless he's going to start buying special tools. There's just no. there's just no way anybody working yep. out of their house is going to be fixing 2016, 2017 automobiles anymore. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So you know. And, well, and, I hear you. I hear that you're not so big on GMC. So should I avoid the GMC? My guys at GM, listen. You, you know how I find out some of the things I find out. I have relationships with friends and dealerships from all the manufacturers all around the country. And, mm-hmm. you know, we'll kibitz. I'll have, I'll have lunch on the phone with this guy in Chicago. I'll have dinner on the phone with this guy in Florida. 
I'll, you know, I'll talk to the guy in California two weeks from today. What did you fix? What are you seeing? What are the trends? You know, and the guys from GM just keep telling me they still have piston and ring problems. They're still seeing oil consumption issues. They're still seeing, you know, goofy things with engines. And, you know, I can understand in 2017 having electronic problems, but when you can't build an engine, you know, yeah. when you can't build an engine after 110 years. Yeah, that's kind of basic. That's kind of basic. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm not that convinced that you've got it right. So mm-hmm. I, you know, um, but the the number one, the most important thing about, you know, buying that new car is if the dealer is going to fix it, go talk to the service manager. See what kind of a feel and response you get from them. I mean, listen, you know, they're only as good as the, the lifespan they have there, and the guy could be gone tomorrow. But, you know, how does the guy treat you? Do you feel mm-hmm. like you're talking to Slick Willie, or is the guy really sincere at heart and he really wants to take care of the car? And that, to yep. me, is the most important thing. What, right? do you think of the, what do you think of the Toyota RAV? I like Should the RAV4. The RAV was a little bit of a tin can a couple of years ago, but they added a mm-hmm. lot of substance to it, and I think they've made it a more wholesome vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my experience out of all the car companies right now, Ford and Toyota are probably one and two for customer service and customer support. They're like neck and neck. And then I think oh, GM, wow. GM comes in a close third. Um, yep. Honda still has that attitude in my eyes that we're Honda. We never have any problems. Mm-hmm. All right, sweetheart. I got to go. The cl- awesome. I'm up against the clock. By the way, VW. Great. Uh, thanks so much, Ron. You're welcome. By the way, VW. Glad. <laughs> vir- virtually worthless, and I think you'll agree at this point. Yeah, at this point, I think I will. Yeah, so I won't <laughs> thanks take a lot. You're welcome. I'll see you. Bye-bye. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming right back. Don't go away. CarDoctorShow.com. Don't forget, we stream the show and podcast it from there as well. Let's get over to Lee in uh, Western Vermont, who's got a Chinese tire story. Boy, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and this this story about Chinese tires just doesn't seem to go away. Lee, you're on with the Car Doctor, sir. Yeah, well, they're they're not Chinese; they're they're Vietnamese, but pretty close, huh? They're an ease, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what happened? Yeah. Well, I was looking for tires for the for the F one fifty, and looking for an E rated tire for the bins I tow a trailer all the time, and you know, I'm looking, and I go to Tire Rack, and and uh, they they do a nice comparison. And I look, and the number two tire is is, is a uh, whatever the brand was. And I look down, and it's forty dollars cheaper than the BF Goodrich. And I'm saying, and then I look and see where it's made from, and I just said, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Right. I mean, I uh, for two reasons. I mean, one is where it's made, and but I'm a Vietnam vet. I I, I can't support it. Right. And I think that's a valid point. And I mean, and we just had, and I don't want to get too political, but a leader was over there and talked to him and made a made a deal with him, but he didn't do anything for the MIAs. You know, we still got to, I, I don't I don't want to get political with you. Well, Ron, you know but, what, man, I'll tell you, know. you what, and you know what, you can get political because I'll tell you what, this is your radio show as much as it is mine. Um, you know, part of what the country's going through right now is is, you know, we're looking at this election, and you're right, I shouldn't get political, it's a car show, but... 
I, I just think everybody's got their right to their opinion, and I'm looking at the protests over who won the election. And, you know, I wonder what would have happened had she won, and where would we have been and would it have gone the other way, and how would we have looked at it? Um, I, I, uh, well, I, I wasn't moving out of the country, but right. that's for sure. Uh, but, well, I want to see, you know. listen, I want to see if everybody that talks about moving out of the country, if they're going. You know what? Trump's got enough money. Give him a one-way ticket. Buy the damn tickets for him. You know, as far use as I... Use his airplane and fly him out of there. I, I just, you know, but you know what? All this nonsense about the protests and, and writing and, and the Trump people scaring the, the people with the names on the... You know, that's... You know, listen, live and let live. We all got to get along. We're going to be one nation. And uh, let's let's see what the man does his job. Uh, you know, let's see, uh, let's see where it goes. Look, we got political. I'm sorry. Lee, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, thank you for your service, sir. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.